And I found that much of that was because I am a slave to the pleasure that food brings me. I wouldn't only eat dessert. I would eat the pie and the ice cream for dessert after the meal. And then later, I would come back two, three hours and get more pie because I like the pie. But not only would I maybe get that piece of pie, but maybe just by chance, I didn't heat up the pie before I put it in the bowl and I put ice cream in there first. So I can't put it in the microwave, you know, half another sliver because yeah, I got to heat it in the microwave before I put the ice cream in it because the pie got to be warm, but the ice cream got to be cold. You get what I'm saying, right? But I think a lot of us suffer from food as comfort, food oh, as sure. it's mouth pleasure, food as it's not because I need it, it's because it tastes good. All right. Well, we're continuing our discussions of chapter six. And in the last episode, we discussed Willard laying the foundation for doing good works in order in order to be seen by others and not as a natural consequence of the person you become in following Jesus. For Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you do it to be seen by others, you will receive your reward, which is being seen by others and your father who sees in secret will not reward you. So let's read this. We're going to talk now. We move from prayer and worship and the typical setting uh, just now, and we're going to move on to talk about fasting, which is a lost spiritual discipline in my estimation. So, All right, uh, so Matthew 6, verse 16 and following. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Amen. And jumping over to John chapter 4, starting in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. stop sharing there. <clears throat> so Luke, you posed a, an interesting question um, when we were discussing stuff for this, this episode. Um, do you think there are other things than food that can sustain you? Hmm. So talk a little bit about that. Well, that question came from, came from the quote by Jesus when his disciples are priding him to eat. He says, I have food you do not know about, sustenance that is not of food. And again, it goes back to, now, I want to be careful when I say this, um, I, all right, I'll put this disclaimer on here. I am 
becoming more and more convinced that the quality and the food you eat is utterly important. And I would even say it's a good way to honor your body. And so we can, we can talk about the, um, when we talk about screw, screw tape, we can talk specifically about gluttony. Um, I want to say that though, to say, not that I would, not that I would recommend you do a 40 day all water fast because God's just going to zap you with the nutrients you need. Um, no, he has likely given you a job in a local grocery store to provide you and your family with the food that you will need. Um, and you can use wisdom to discern which food you would like to eat. Um, but the question becomes, uh, I'll, I'll use myself. Since I asked the question, it was, po it was, it was brought about by what Jesus said. I'll use myself as an example. So um, over Christmas, I, when I, I'll, I'll put it this way. When I say sustain, I don't mean physically. So over Christmas, I was heavily convicted about my own eating habits and the the phrase that came to mind as i watched myself be gluttonous and fat and a slave to my own mouth was luke you do not honor your body and i found that much of that was because i am a slave to the pleasure that food brings me um, I, I would find myself, I wouldn't only eat dessert. I would eat the pie and the ice cream for dessert after the meal. And then later I would come back two, three hours and get more pie. Cause I like the pie, but not only would I maybe get that piece of pie, but maybe just by chance, I didn't heat up the pie before I put it in the bowl and I put ice cream in there first. So I can't put it in the microwave. So I'll take, you know, half another sliver because yeah, I got to heat it in the microwave before I put the ice cream in it. Cause the pie got to be warm, but the ice cream got to be cold. You get what I'm saying, right? I was such a, I was overcome by my desire for that like five I, minutes of of ecstasy when i eat when i eat those two things together and i love five love some cake man like it's all i love it all and uh but i i kept finding and i kept and we've talked about this a little bit before i've kept investigating okay luke so just like when you get contemptuous and angry in your relationships. You're prone to be lustful after women. You're prone to want to do, to want to watch things you shouldn't want, to want to do things to you, yourself that you shouldn't do, to want to, you know, 
this, that, and the other thing. To get some sort of like comfort from that, right? So it is many times with food. Oh, man. We, we've thing, talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I love you pointed out there, something, a point that I made in our previous recording um, <clears throat> is that you deceived yourself into thinking your motivations were one thing, but they were really something else. You try to give yourself an excuse right? for what you knew you shouldn't do. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good illustration of, of our previous conversation. But anyway, keep going. And so when, when I ask, is there something else that can sustain me? I, I more or less meant, do I truly need food to comfort me? Mm. Yeah. Or can there be something else Wow. that does that? Yeah. yeah and good. more so, which goes to the next question we have outlined, the question that comes with fasting, that comes with self-control. I couldn't tell myself no to that third slice of pie. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell myself no to that second helping of dinner. Yeah. And so I am not, as Paul says, beating my body into submission, which is a glorious thing for the Lord. Mm -hmm. I am a slave to my own desire. Yeah. And that is a, that is not a fun place to be. And so I have to be careful to not be a slave to my desire to be fit and attractive and look sexy and have a six like you can yeah. go the other direction right there's a reason yep. that the the trope is you know the guy that's my builder has body dysmorphia because you know uh you're never as big as your last pump but you always want to get to your pump <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well and that's just another type of image control right right which is what this whole conversation is about and so when i ask is there something else that can sustain me yes Physically, I desire, I, I, I look for sustenance and food physically to be able to think clearly, to be able to function, to be able to operate. We all know what it's like to be hangry. Well, we all know what it's like to think, uh, you know, I have a headache. How much water have you drank today? None, but I had three cups of coffee, right? Yeah. Like we need to be wise about this stuff. But, but also, the, I think the larger question with all of that is, Maybe if you were, like I first said, maybe if you were wise about the food you initially put in your body, you wouldn't be a slave to your passions over food. Mm -hmm. And then you could actually fast. And yeah. so, and there's a bunch of, I mean, just look at a lot of the research nowadays about the benefits of fasting, even prolonged fasting. Yeah. Just for what it does to your insulin levels, what it does to your human growth hormone, what it does for your blood sugar, Right. But yeah. I'm not. I don't. I'm not necessarily worried about any of that. What I'm. What I'm more posing is, if you if you did not eat, if you said I'm foregoing food, for an for an afternoon, for for an evening, for for a day, for for a weekend, you might be hungry, but you'll get over that hunger. I think what's going to plague you more, like it plagues me. Like I drove home last night and I thought, you know what, man, 
some, and I wanted healthy food. I was like, you know, I would just, some grilled chicken, some steak right now. sounds amazing. I was like, no, I, uh, I'm going to, it's 830. I'm going to tell myself no. And I'm going to eat it tomorrow. It's still be in the fridge. Yeah. You know, so. Well, but the question is, do you, if you decide to fast, do, are you going to be succumbed to your desire? I think it's more, at least uh, maybe I'm just projecting on other people, but I think a lot of us suffer from food as comfort, food as it's mouth pleasure, food as it's not because I need it. It's because it tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. Why else do you buy the 64 ounce drink at quick trip or get the extra large popcorn and the soda from the magical Coca-Cola fountain that has like 500 flavors. Yeah. Yeah. But yet you get a different one each time. We like variety, but you see my point. It's, it's for the mouth pleasure, man. That's what you're, we're slave to our mouth pleasure. So we want that. Like, why, why can't I, well, obviously, because there's no, there's no real satiety in chips either. But like, why do you sit and eat a whole bag of chips? Well, A, because your brain ain't going to tell your stomach it's full because you're eating chips, yeah, which is a problem. But also, they taste pretty damn good. Yeah. And like, you want to keep getting that hit of dopamine. Yeah. So and, and on that point, um, I, but I, I love the point you just made. I'm going to take it one step further. I do think even going to like taking a step back from that, I do think we also worship being sustained. Mm. Mm. My, my wife and I had a conversation this past week um, about fasting and about how neither of us have really done a, a food fast, at least for a, a reasonable period. And how we go, we miss one meal and we have a, a term for it, a pop culture term. We get hangry. And it's like, if, if I can't go one meal without my attitude towards others changing in a negative direction, what does that say about the way that I relate to God and his creation, his creatures, the ones that he loves that are made in his image? If, if my my own righteous behavior is purely mediated by the fact that I am, I feel sustained in this moment. Mm. Like the, the little self-control we have. And then that's one of the reasons why I think fasts are so important is not because, and we'll get into this in a second. It's not because we're trying to manipulate God into giving us something. Right. I think it's to show ourselves how weak we really are. I think that's the purpose. So I, I have this, um, I'm going to tell a quick story. I have this friend and, and this will exemplify the opposite, right? Because you and I have just both highlighted the ways in which we are inadequate in this area. I'm, I'm going to tell a, a story about the opposite. One who, someone who I know who has fasted and who has done it exactly the way I think Jesus is prescribing us to do it in this passage. I was back home in town visiting some friends 
<clears throat> and um, I'd been at this friend's house for several hours at this point. And uh, one of his family members walks in the room and he says, hey, we're going to go grab some fast food. Do you want anything? And he's like, sure, just give me my usual. They look at me and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I've got some food back at home. I'm about to go eat. Um, I won't be here too much longer anyway. Da, 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 right. So <clears throat> they go get the food. They come back. And my friend, he and I are in a room kind of set apart from, from everyone else. We're just chatting or whatever. And they come in, they hand him the bag of food. He takes the food. And as soon as they leave, he goes and puts it in the fridge. And I was like, didn't you just order food? Don't, don't you want to eat it? Like it's hot now. And he kind of sighed and he was like, oh, I was afraid of this. Okay. Um, I was like, what? And he was like, well, I'm five days into a seven day fast. Hmm. And no one in my house knows. And mm. you didn't know until right now. And I wasn't going to tell you. And I'd been at his house for hours. He did exactly, I mean, how is it that Jesus words it? Let me just read it. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who sees in secret. Mm. That's what he did. He got himself cleaned up enough that way when I was there or when he was around his family, no one would know that he was fasting. Hmm. And I tell this story not to bring attention to him because that would be counterproductive, right? Um, but to point out that that I think was the most genuinely Christ-centered example of fasting I think I've ever seen. Because he, he was doing it to train himself in a posture of reliance upon God. He wasn't doing it to, to manipulate God into giving him an answer on a question. That's become a really weird fascination in modern Christianity. He was doing it to create a posture of reliance on God. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very, um, I was taken aback by that to, to a very high degree. Um, and, I, and I'll always remember that moment as, a, as the example of what Jesus is talking about here. So on this note, I want to read Willard's um, little section on, on what you just quoted there, where he says, Fasting, too, had frequently been turned into an exercise, an exhibition, and respectability. Those who fast deprive themselves of some, for some time um, and to some degree of normal food and drink. 
And it is a thoroughly biblical practice that forms one dimension of the believer's interactive life with God. But the hypocrites of Jesus' day tried to look as gloomy as possible when they fasted. They'd even developed special ways of disfiguring their face with special markings in order to make sure people knew they were fasting. Here again, Jesus points out that, that they get what they want. They want to be noticed in being devout, and they certainly are noticed. I tell you the truth, he says, they have their reward. That is the one they were looking for, to be seen by others. And he points us in the right direction of fasting as a practice in the kingdom living. Take a shower, he says, and fix yourself up. Brush your teeth, put on lotion and cologne and nice clothing so that others won't know you're fasting. Your father who's in secret will see your hidden heart and enrich your life. Once again, one is impressed with what refreshing good sense characterizes Jesus' words. Skip a paragraph. But Jesus himself knew that when we have learned how to fast in secret, our bodies and souls will be directly sustained by the invisible kingdom. We will not be miserable, but we certainly will be different. And our abundant strength and our joy will come in a way as purely physical human existence in the flesh does not know. It will come from those sources that are in secret. Yep. So do you think that there's something else that can sustain you? Two, can you two tell th- yourself no enough yeah. to forego? Go ahead. Yeah, so two things. Well, I guess three things now. I think the biggest question that we've both been asking is, do we have the self-control to tell ourselves no? Um, that, that's a big thing. Um, another important thing is, we're not saying go on a radical fast. No. Please do what you need to do to continue living and existing as is healthy for you. I do think fasting is a underrepresented spiritual practice that should be engaged with more in the church, but you need to do it safely. The third thing is, I think... I would even take one step further and argue it should be a normal rhythm. Yes. With yes. life. Yes. Well, yes and no. I think it depends on right. why. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things, and so actually let's, let me transition towards, um, I'm, I'm going to share my screen again. <clears throat> um, Old Testament prophets tend to actually not really like regular fasting or ritual fasting. So this is Isaiah 58, long passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but please go read the whole thing. This is about true and false fasting, as you can see at the top there. Um, So this is the word of the Lord to Isaiah. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they they seek me daily in delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask for me righteous judgment. They delight to draw near to God. Quote, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves 
and you take no knowledge of it. End quote. Behold, in the days of your in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fast, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. In such a fast that I choose a day for a person to humble him. Uh, um, I choose a day for a, hum a person to humble himself. It is to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Why you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord. And it continues. But one of the things that I wanted to highlight was um, here they're practicing regular ritual fast. So that's one thing that's being critiqued. And the other thing that I think is even more explicit is they're fasting to manipulate God into doing something for them. Right. And they is, don't ask, act righteously when they fast. Yes. Yes. And so what the prophet is saying here is fasting is not, fasting is to humble yourself, not to get God to do something for you. That's, that's not what's going on. So, and the, the example that I think you and I both were laughing about as we were preparing our notes for this um, is we all know that vegan that you know is vegan. You right. know, they're vegan for moral reasons and they want you to know about it. And I'm not saying, I think there are some very poor health limitations to being vegan, but I'm, I'm not saying like, if, if that's, if you're vegan, you have convictions about that, or if you're doing it for health reasons and it benefits you, continue doing it. Don't change on my account, but don't be the vegan that everyone knows is vegan. And don't be the vegan that makes everyone else feel like they need to be vegan. That's being the hypocrite in this case, right? That, that's, that's kind of the example that comes to mind when, um, when Jesus is talking about this kind of thing. Yeah, don't be the faster that everyone knows is fasting. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. I'm fasting. Yep. Dude, you can go to lunch. Check this. I wasn't fasting this day, but I just changed, radically changed my diet. It was right after Christmas. I was hanging out with some friends. We were going to watch the football game. My, my friend had ordered pizza and he had drinks and it was a, my friend was made sugar cookies and all this, all the stuff I couldn't eat. I made sure I ate what I could before I went. So as to not be hungry to say, to stay sustained through the three hours I knew I was going to be there. You want to know what no one asked me? Luke, why aren't you eating? Now, it just might have been a function of, it was mostly a, a just guy. We had a couple girls that were hanging out, but it was mostly just dudes. So maybe if someone was hosting me for dinner, they would have asked, obviously. But like in this friend setting, no one cared that I didn't touch the pizza. 
I said, I didn't pay for the pizza. So no one cared. My friend Taylor, who's a great, wonderful cook, didn't ask me, Luke, why I haven't you tried my cookies? No one really cared. So I say that to say, even if, even though I wasn't fasting, I was trying to follow my own nutritional habits now. If you're in a position where you say, oh man, but we're going to go to that event and the thing and we're going to have the food and they're going to, uh, my friend has, you know, we always hang out and we do this. And that. I'm, unless you have overly nosy and like annoying friends, most likely you're going to go to the thing. You're going to be at the dinner. You're going to be at the party. You're going to go to the event. And no one's going to notice that you aren't eating. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah, people don't pay attention to you that much. Most of the time, right? No. We, we, we think of ourselves as the center of, of the world. And I think there's a, a reason for that. We're the center of our world. But other people are the center of theirs. And they're not sitting around usually worrying about what we're doing. Right. And so it, it typically doesn't take up that much of their attention. <clears throat> In other words, this kind of thing that we're talking about, this discipline of secrecy, isn't that hard to do practically. No. In fact, I would have been at my friend's house that I was just talking about and not known at all and not had this story had his family member not come in and offered to get him some food and him feel via the necessity of secrecy to say yes. And then also me be around when the food arrived. Like right. there's so many things that had to happen for me to notice. All right. The secrecy isn't, isn't that big of a deal. And so I want to, I want to read a section from Willard. Um, secrecy as a fundamental discipline. <clears throat> and then I'll, I'll read a few passages and then we'll get ready to close. Um, this is about halfway through the second paragraph of this section. What uh, page are you on? Uh, 221. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, here, what's the, uh, yeah, yep. Right there. So second paragraph about the second sentence in both avoiding evil and doing good, our respect should be for God alone. We may think it is okay to avoid evil for fear of being seen. For in any case, we do avoid the evil, but that only shows we have no respect for God and would disobey him, but for the opinion of others. The basic principle is the same in both cases. The discipline of secrecy will help us to break the grip of human opinion over our souls and actions. And here I think Willard makes what is potentially one of the biggest and most important points about morality. Let's, let's think about Breaking Bad, for example. Walter White was a moral coward. 
Right. Walter White, and I haven't finished the show yet. But and he, go ahead. Sorry, but, I have but, an example. But but he is only moral because he wasn't brave enough not to be. Right. And the minute that the limitations of cowardice lost their grip on him, he became vicious. Right. That's what Willard is trying to help us avoid. And that's what this, the discipline of secrecy helps us avoid through Jesus' words in, in our moral structures is become the person who's naturally moral, whether you're seen or not. Don't be Walter White. So go with so your example. In, in, the scene, in the scene where... I think this is, and I've heard this, I think, I don't think I'm originally the one to make this argument. Um, so you remember when he goes and visits his old friend for his birthday? In season one? Right. And they go yeah. to his house. Yeah. And Skylar ends up having told him about the cancer and he mm -hmm. offers him the job to come work for gray matter to give him health benefits, to help him pay for his treatment. He'd get a position that would be way better than the, the crappy teaching job he has right now, yeah. where students make fun of him for working at the car wash because he doesn't make enough money. And they would have paid for his treatment. So not only is Walter too cowardly to do the right thing, and I'm not saying this is necessarily the right thing for him to do. Yeah. I'm just saying this reveals his pride and his cowardice all at once. Yep. He's yep. too prideful because he left for whatever reason he left um, Gretchen and her husband. Yeah. And he feels vindictive yep. towards them about not being a part of the company. Right. What does he tell Jesse? You asked me if I was in the method after talking about how much gray matter is worth, he says, I check yeah. it every week. Yeah. No, no, I'm in the empire business. Yeah. Oh, really? Yet you could have let go of your pride and said, whatever happened in the past happened in the past, but I will let you help take care of me. Yeah. And I will accept your offer. And the Which show's is over after that. There's no breaking bad after that. Yeah. yeah. Which is why, going back to Willard, chapter five comes before chapter six, right? Because if you get rid of your contempt and your anger, everything else falls away. Right. And even if he saw him as an enemy, yep. as, he, as he definitely sees Gretchen. But yep. what's funny is Walter knows this is a good move because he perpetuates the lie with his family. Yep. That they are paying for his treatment when yep. he's the one doing it. And so if you forgive your enemies, but you can't forgive your enemy if you perpetuate your own anger and your contempt and your yep. greed and you don't take your oaths seriously. Yep. You don't treat words with respect. Right. Then you will not be able to forgive your enemy. Then you will grow and your ego, ego will expand, expand and your soul will shrivel and you will be a coward. And you might do the right thing, but only because you fear. 
And you see this as well. I'm going to just keep bringing, I'm bringing up one more scene example of this. Yeah. A moment where you might actually even feel happy for Walter in season one is when he's starting to turn. He's starting to not be hindered by his, his cowardness, his, his cowardliness is when they're out shopping to get Walter Jr. some clothes. And he's in the dressing room and he he needs help because he's in crutches. He needs help putting his pants on. And there's these guys making fun of him, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. And Walter goes out the back and comes back in the front door and kicks the guy in the knee and basically goes like, you want to say that again? Yeah. Right? You aren't going to make fun of my son. Yeah. But he does that not as a coward yeah. and he's not scared of what other people think of him in that moment. Yeah. Not at all. And he actually does, I think something that's courageous. Maybe his heart in that instance is not great, yeah. but yeah. you get my point, right? Yes. He's driven the same thing that drives him to go make the math is and yeah. the, the disbarment of his, of his fear of being, of being caught yep it's gone in each moment yep but yet he doesn't want to be caught looking weak or not being able to fix it himself because he's too prideful yep by gretchen yeah and her husband so so to that point right you can set up laws right that would prohibit you from doing certain actions right and laws prohibited walt from doing certain actions consistently but those things are ineffective. And so, um, can you go to the next page? <clears throat> Willard makes this great point um, that Jesus' teachings lead can, to discipline, not law. Can we read this next paragraph? Or can I read this next paragraph real quick? Uh, yeah, we're fixing to run out of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just read this. A dis a discipline, a, a discipline is an activity in our power that we do to enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. I think that's a great um, yeah. Yeah. definition. Jesus is here leading us into the discipline of secrecy. We, from time to time, practice doing things approved of in our religious circles, giving, praying, fasting, attending services of church, and so on but in such a way that no one knows. Thus, our motivation and reward for doing these things cannot come from human beings. Yep. So the point is discipline, not law, right? And if we have discipline, not law, we don't become Walter White. If we have discipline, but not law, we, we become people who are actually righteous. And that's what prayer and fasting and giving are all about. In the spirit of secrecy, not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Yeah. Not to be seen by others, but to be seen by your father. Yeah. Okay.